Donald Trump recently lost a lawyer that was working on his Georgia case. And this lawyer had been described by advisors who spoke to Rolling Stone recently as quote, the most competent lawyer out of all of the legal teams that Donald Trump has assembled. But now this lawyer, Andrew Findling has left. And according to the report, multiple sources that again spoke to Rolling Stone said that part of the reason is because like pretty much all of other, uh, the rest of Trump's lawyers, he clashed with Boris Epstein. Let me read you this from the report. Several high ranking members of team Trump asked one another why the ex-president would ditch someone who was internally viewed as perhaps Trump's single most competent attorney. Findling was in the middle of leading the legal defense against the one prosecution that is likely the most perilous for Trump. And the lawyer was replaced just as the former president was about to have his historic mug shot taken in Georgia. So Findling of course has been off the case for over a month now. And as we've seen, Donald Trump has not been performing so well in the state of Georgia. As I recently reported, he has actually been reduced to, uh, having his lawyers copy the motions filed by other lawyers, right? They, they, they don't want to have to come up with their own arguments. So they're looking at what the other co-defendants are filing and they're just kind of using that to make their own filings. And it's not going well for any of them because the only seemingly only competent member of their team is gone. Now the report also points out something interesting. In addition, of course, to the clashing with Boris Epstein, who has Donald Trump's ear much to the chagrin of the rest of the legal team. It said that Findling was actually tasked with preventing the Rico charges from being filed against Donald Trump, which is a weird thing to task a lawyer with because the only way a lawyer can, I don't want to use the interfere, but I guess, uh, use the word interfere, but I guess the only way a lawyer can have sway over what charges are brought against their client is if they have their client make a deal with the prosecutors bef beforehand. So giving Findley the task, if they did Findling, excuse me, if they did give him the task of trying to make sure he didn't get hit with Rico charges, then Trump would have had to have been open to accepting a plea deal, which as far as we know was not the case. So they basically gave this lawyer a task that was literally impossible for him to complete at least successfully. Obviously Trump did get hit with those Rico charges. There was no plea deal and Trump is still facing the felony counts in Georgia, along with his 18 other co-defendants. But this is bad news for Trump because this report goes on to state that his advisors are essentially panicking. They don't know how he's going to craft a good legal defense when he doesn't have any good lawyers left. Donald Trump, as I've been saying for months now, every time he gets a good lawyer, I'll come on and do a segment like, Hey, he's hired a guy. This person has a great resume. They're actually pretty good at their job. They're experts in white collar criminal defense. Maybe Trump's turning a corner. And then a couple months later, it's like, oh, wait, never mind. That lawyer's now gone. It happened with Tim Parlatore. It happened with, uh, God, his name escapes me at the moment, but the lawyer who had to handle the uh, E. Jean Carroll defamation case, Takapina, um, didn't work out so well either. And these were decent lawyers, good lawyers with good resumes, honestly, that just can't do it with Trump. 
And I think blaming everything on Epstein, I, I think that's kind of a cop-out. I think what a lot of these lawyers realize once they get in and actually start doing work for Donald Trump is he can't be controlled. If you do not have a client that is un, uh, that is not willing, I should say, to take your advice, that will not shut up when you know they need to shut up, a client that continues to go out there in the media and effectively admit to the crimes he is being charged with, no lawyer wants to take that case. So I'm willing to bet this is not the last lawyer that we're going to see leave Team Trump. And Trump is also probably going to try to use this as an excuse to get his trials pushed back. But hopefully the judges do not buy into those arguments because the only reason these lawyers are leaving is because of the way that Donald Trump is behaving himself. And you can't blame that on the council. That's all on Trump. This past weekend, Lauren Boebert, Republican representative from Colorado, at least for now, went crying to Steve Bannon on his War Room podcast about the fact that Republicans in the House of Representatives are being super mean to her and apparently calling her names. Now, they're not calling her names because of what happened at the Beetlejuice performance recently. And we've seen some fairly colorful names being thrown around about Lauren Boebert on social media. And, you know, sometimes in the comments of videos, y'all need to watch that. But Lauren Boebert says that she is being called names because she of course is one of the members who is effectively kind of pushing us towards a government shutdown because of her and the rest of the Republican, uh, extremists list of demands for speaker, Kevin McCarthy. So here is what Boebert had to tell Bannon over the weekend. We were called domestic terrorists by members of our own party, simply by wanting reforms in Congress. No one likes the way Congress operates. And so my colleagues and I took a stand around 15 stand to make fundamental historic changes to the way this place operates. What, what changes? Like, what did you accomplish Lauren? Because honestly, from your quote, I can't tell if you're referring to the appropriations bills that have to be passed by this coming weekend or else we go into government shutdown. Or are you talking about voting against Kevin McCarthy becoming speaker of the house, you know, because you guys wanted all these changes. And at the end of the day, the only changes that you have been successful in making are to how much power Kevin McCarthy alone holds. Like those are not permanent reforms. Those are just concessions that McCarthy made in order to become speaker. That's not going to apply the next time we have a new speaker of the house. So you, you've made no changes. You've made no reforms and, and you have nothing really to show for it other than the weakest Republican speaker of the house that we have possibly ever seen in history. So is that what you're proud of? And in terms of, you know, all of the negotiation with these appropriations bills, you and your party seem content to just take your ball and go home. If you do not get your way, you're willing to shut down the government, which economists are already estimating will cost us the economy hundreds of millions of dollars per day. You're willing to do that because you're not getting your way on certain projects or certain little things that you want included in here. You're going to make the whole country suffer just because your terroristic demands are not being met. So I have no sympathy for you. 
if you're being called a domestic terrorist by members of your own party. Honestly, Lauren, based on everything that's happening in your life right now, your life outside of Congress and how it's affecting whether or not you're going to win re-election next year, if I were you, I'd probably just shut up and go with the flow right now. Even if all your extremist buddies are threatening to oust Kevin McCarthy and block the appropriations bills and send us to a government shutdown, maybe you just need to be like, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to wade into that put forth a bill. I'll vote for it. I don't want us to go into a shutdown because I'm already on the razor's edge back in my home district. After I only won by fewer than 600 votes last November, they're ready to vote me out today. And my performance at Beetlejuice is not going to help that. That's what Bobert should be thinking, but she lacks any and all self-awareness. She's going to continue on this little pity party that she's throwing herself. And I can promise you that it's not going to help her in next year's election. Thank goodness. Well, folks, it finally happened. One of the judges overseeing a case against Donald Trump has finally done the unthinkable and slapped the former president of the United States with a very mild gag order. Now, the problem with this story is that it's not in any of the criminal cases that Donald Trump has upcoming. This was not judge Chutkin. This was not judge McBurney. This was not, uh, uh, the, the judge in New York. It wasn't judge cannon. So it's not in the criminal trials where these types of gag orders are clearly desperately needed as the DOJ keeps pointing out because Donald Trump is not only putting them all in danger, he's also tainting the potential jury pool, but a judge in Colorado that is going to be overseeing the lawsuit, trying to prevent Donald Trump from appearing on the ballot next year, issued the order this past weekend saying, quote, I 100% understand everybody's concerns for the parties, the lawyers, and frankly, myself and my staff based on what we've seen in other cases. So the judge issued this protective order saying, Donald Trump, you cannot go after the parties that are suing. You cannot go after the lawyers representing these people. You can't go after me. You can't go after your, uh, my staff. You can't talk bad. You, You can't talk at all about anybody involved in these cases. And for the record, this also applies to the people who brought the lawsuit. Y'all can't go out there on social media and attack Donald Trump. You know, so it's both ways. It's not just picking on Donald Trump, which is actually the way it should be. The judge just says, listen, we will try this case in court, not on social media, not out there in speeches or rallies. Everybody shut up. And we're going to do this the right way. Thank God. Who, let let me tell you, this is judge Sarah B. Wallace. So kudos to judge Sarah B. Wallace for finally having the courage to do what all of these other judges should have done months ago. And that is put the order on Donald Trump, not letting him destroy the trial before it goes to trial. Now, the problem here, of course, (laughs) is that this lawsuit that is seeking to bar Donald Trump from appearing on the ballot in Colorado based on the insurrection clause of the 14th amendment, which we all know what that is. Um, it's, it's not going to be successful. Um, Trump himself did not 
by definition, engage in an insurrection. Um, And I know a lot of people may disagree with me on that, but when you look at the letter of the law, you have to kind of twist a lot of things to be able to say that Trump engaged in insurrection. Now, did he provide aid or support to people who engaged in an insurrection? That I fully believe he 100% did. Problem is none of those people have been charged with insurrection. So even though he gave support to those people, even just moral support, defining what they did as an insurrection also becomes this Herculean task. So unfortunately, I do not think that this lawsuit, which I do support it, by the way, I do support the lawsuit. Don't get me wrong. I'm just telling you from the standpoint of the law and all the ins and outs of it, it has no chance, unfortunately. But again, I'm going to give full props to judge Sarah B. Wallace for finally telling Donald Trump to shut the hell up, stop attacking everybody and let the process play it safe, uh, play, play itself out at trial untainted. Every other judge overseeing any case involving Donald Trump needs to follow suit. Thanks for listening to today's Fair and Balanced Daily. Stay up to date with all of our content by finding us on YouTube at youtube.com slash fairandbalanced and follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at fairandbalanced.